short time together. And I want to start with this story, if that's okay. Um, and I'm going to kind of big up Amy Jules a little bit and the Revive team. And if you don't do Revive or haven't done Revive, give it a, give it a shot. It's good crack and it's good fun. Um, and that's easy for me to say because I've got a story that happened a year ago that I found about two weeks ago. And it, it was kind of exciting. And so when Revive would go out over the streets and we'd pray for people and lift people. But sometimes when we'll go out, before we go out, we ask God, who are we going to meet tonight? Who have you got for us? Who, who, need, who do we need to encounter tonight? Or who's, who's looking for you? And we'll call that treasure hunting because people, people the, the world, they're God's treasure and we need to find them and we, we're trying to hunt them down. And it's even better when you go out with Ian because um, Ian puts it, he gets to be a treasure map. So we, you, know, you, you might have things like what color their t-shirt is, you know, they're wearing a hat, if they've got glasses, if they've got a dog. More often than not, Ian has like three or four things on the list. And there was one night me and him were out and uh, we walked up to this fella and we're in gardens. And it was like, oh, you know, friends for you just going down. And, and it's like, likely story. And then Ian just goes, here you go. And handed him the bit of paper that had like, that have his name. I don't even know, but he had a dog, what he was wearing, a situation that was going on in his life. And the guy was just like, you can't, you can't argue with that. But that's not the story I want to talk about. It's another story that we had that on the face of it seemed unsuccessful. We, we had a picture for treasure one night and we went out and, and found, we found our treasure. It was amazing. We were so excited. It's like, there he is. And we're over to him. It's like, hey, how's it going? You know, we're praying for people and we're just, uh, is there anything going on in your life we could pray for? And he just looked at us and goes, um, no. And just walked on. We were kind of like, well, God, that's, you, you told us to go and find him. What, why is he? Why are we not having like a miracle on the street? Why is he not like becoming saved and witnessing the, the rest of Carrick and we're going to have revival? Um, and sometimes we don't need to know the answer and we'll find out later on down the line, but we play our part. So a few weeks ago, a friend of mine sent me a message and uh, he just said, just by any chance, say about a year ago, were you guys out on the streets and, did it, and he, he used to be phrase that we used with a fella. And it's like, yes, but tell me more. And he just said that, he goes, I can't necessarily say an awful lot that's going on in his life, but that encounter that you guys had with him was significant and it was important. And there was lots going on in that wee fella's life that you didn't know about. And he, he just said, it was, he goes, thank you for doing it. Because, and it meant a lot to him. And what that really spoke to me was, sometimes you know, we, we go out with our, our ideas, we're in work, we're chatting to someone, we bump into someone in a coffee shop, and we're like, we're kind of wanting the instantaneous miracle, or we want something to happen there and then. But as we're faithful, God's faithful. And as we do our part, God then does, uh, he does the most important part. And then he invites other people into the story. And other people get to be a part of that there. So this young fellow that we, we were part of it, we got to see a little bit. Other people were, are journeying with him now that are maybe better equipped or whatever it might be. But that boy was encouraged that night. So the, the small things that we do, they're not small things actually. They're quite massive and majorly significant. And I remember the other week, uh, Victor and I were chatting. And it's about those one-on-one -on -one encounters. And we can't underestimate the one-on-one -on -one encounters because there's times in our lives, I'm sure, whenever someone's reached out to us and spoken to us, and we're like, I needed that. You know, it was, I was drowning and you threw me a lifeline. So just, just be encouraged that the things that we do, they, they have significance. Whenever we, and especially, especially the things we do that God nudges us in. So the encouragement this morning so far is to, to follow the nudges that Jesus gives us. So we've waffled long enough. Um, if you have a Bible... I'm sorry, I don't have um, one of those things. If you, really, if you really are like a visual person, you can use your Bible. Or if you need colors, use your Bible app because it's really pretty. Um, we're going to Hosea 10, 12. 
So when Paul asked me to speak, I was like, is there a theme? What, what am I doing? You know, what's, is there a summer theme we're going with? He goes, oh, no, just wing it. I'm like, oh, that's dangerous. That could be very dangerous. So I'm going to invite you on a small journey this morning into kind of what goes on in my brain. So it could be, it could be interesting. So this, is, this, this verse, um, Hosea 10, 12, God really being, because every now and again, God just puts a verse or a passage or something or somebody in the Bible on, like, on you, and you're like, you just can't get away from it, and you're just thinking about it all the time, and you're meditating upon it. You, maybe words just every now and again jump out. And it's just a couple of wee words from this, uh, this, this verse that we're going to look at this morning. And it says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Um, I'm not much of a gardener, but I know, I, I mean, I've watched Alan Titchmarsh, whatever you call him, you know, I, did, I, I watched all that stuff and a bit of an understanding. And the question I'm asking this morning, what does sowing look like in our lives? Um, if I think of the three times that I might have planted a plant, it involves like an action. It's like, you know, you need to do something. Um, there's, there's a response for us. And it also means sometimes you have to get your hands dirty, unless you want to wear like, pretty gloves um, to protect your hands. So there's, there's, an a, there's, there's an action of us to do. There's, if we're thinking wider, there's like an obedience. There's a certain level of rules that we have to follow. You can't just kind of wing it and do your own thing. You know, if you want the, the plant, the plant, you put the seed in, soil, water. You, know, you can't mix it up and do it. There's a certain procedure. And then there's a willingness to, to, to work with it. You know, when you, my, my aunt has a, a lovely garden and she spends an awful lot of time in it. I'm not sure, like, it's, that, that's, she loves it, it's great. But she has to like work at that and she, she stretches herself and she, she makes an effort and she spends a bit of time in it. And, you know, when, instead of sitting, going for a nice run or watching TV, she'll go out and put stuff on. But it looks pretty. But the only way that works is because she has a willingness to go and do something about it. And there's a little passage in Exodus chapter, no, Numbers chapter 13. I know I'm jumping, but this is my brain. Does anyone know where Numbers is in the Bible? Numbers 13, and you might be familiar with the story. Um, and it's a story of whenever the spies were sent to, to scout out the promised land. And they were sent out in, in the tribes. And they went out and they, were, they had the promise from God. They had this, God said he was going to do something. We're going to, going to take you to the promised land. It's going to be a land flowing milk and honey. You'll no longer be, be running from your oppressors and you'll be free. You'll have this, this great life. Who's in? Anyone else in? I'm up for it. I want no one else. That's upsetting. That's very upsetting. But of the 12, 12 tribes went out, only two of the guys came back with a, with a good report. Only two of them came back and said, right, I think we can do this, you know. This, this looks, it looks difficult. I mean, it's, n- it's, it's not easy. But what the guys did, what uh, Joshua and Caleb did, they, they went out and they, they, they had the promise from God. They knew what God said. They knew what God's principles were. They also were very aware of, of their current situation. But they didn't let that stop them. They didn't look at that. They didn't focus on, the, on their current situation. But they looked at, at God's promise and they reminded themselves of, of God's faithfulness. And maybe sometimes... We need to do that ourselves. Remind ourselves of, of the times that God's been faithful to us and for us. Um, you know, maybe, our, yeah, I think it's important to do that. And if we don't, just take some time and think about, think about it. But Joshua and Caleb, they're, they're two, two, two key characters. 
um, in, in the rest of the story. But whenever they, they went to the end of the land, they seen the same thing as everybody else. It wasn't a case of like they went to a different place, but their perspective was different. They seen something different. And we need to have that fresh perspective. And realize that sometimes whenever we plan something, whenever we're going to after something, whenever we believe something or when God speaks a promise, it takes time. And that's something we don't like. You know, we're very, we're very anti, like, waiting. And you only have to look at our current society and the way our life is. Like, online shopping. You know, you don't have to stand in a shop anymore and, like, look at people and talk to them. The way we, we watch TV has dramatically changed. I was listening to a podcast this week and somebody was saying um, that they have Sky Plus and instead of watching the adverts, they wait five minutes for the program to start and then so they pause it and wait five minutes so they don't have to watch the adverts. And it's like, the adverts, that's when you go to put the kettle on, go to the loo or yeah, whatever, you do something you need to do. But the way that this is what we do in society and um, when I think of like Netflix, there's that wee magic button that you can skip the intro know, so we can when we're when we're binge watching, we don't we don't even have time for the the credits. We don't have time for like the thirty second cool song at the start of suits. We just go straight into the skip the intro and, and, and move forward. And we're so so busy. And like, do you remember the olden days? Like, do you remember the good times whenever you had to get a photo developed? Like, you t- you took them on the camera and then you waited for like a month, and then you were like, you had to see if any of the pictures turned out or whether your thumb was in the way the whole time, or if anyone took your um, camera and took pictures they shouldn't have. But like, this is part of our society, and this is what's been ingrained into us. But don't do waiting. We're not, we're not good on, on just having chill time. And, I mean, you think about that as well. Like John Mark Coomer talked about it. Um, he goes, remember in, in the olden days whenever you went into the post office and you were waiting to, to post your letter and people just talked to each other? Because like, everyone, as soon as you go in, and you know, I mean, I'm sure we all do it, or you'll observe it. You walk into any setting where there's people, and they're standing around, and the first thing they do, we'll look at our phones, we don't want to engage. And I don't find it a real surprise that we look, we're currently in the middle of uh, an absolute epidemic of a mental health crisis, and people struggling with anxiety and social awkwardness and all sorts of weird, like, crazy stuff. And it's it's serious. You know, I'm sure we all know people that are being affected by it in in various ways, and it's, it's so, so dangerous and so, so scary. But if we would just take the time to be like, let's put our phones down and just chat to somebody, you know, let's reach out to somebody. Let's not, let's not get ca- caught up in in the current culture. Let's be a little bit countercultural. I mean, I'm pretty sure if Jesus was about in this day and age, he would probably have like quite a few followers on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. But he, he wouldn't be so drawn into it. You know, he might make, make a few posts. He might even schedule his posts. But he'd be out looking, talking to people. And there's a great book by. Uh, Judith Smith, and it's called How's Your Soul? And it's a really good, insightful book. And it really makes us ask the question, you know, like, instead of like, how are you doing? Like, how's your soul? It's, it makes, it's, it's, not, it's, it's deeper than just like, how's your day going? It's like, what's really going on inside? How are you, how you processing life? Are you just saying, okay, I'm okay, but really, on the inside, you're really struggling? Are we being honest and real with ourselves and being like, do you know what? Life's a wee bit rubbish at the minute, but I'm okay. I'm talking to people. I've, I've got friends to talk to. I've, I've, I'm, I'm leaning into church. I'm, I'm pressing into what Jesus has for me. Um, so I don't think it's any surprise that that's why we're, if that's the way our society is, that people are the way they're struggling to, to connect and to, to reach out. And we've heard a lot recently over the last 
year to year and a half probably about Sabbath and rest and the importance of it. And obviously it's biblical and it's scriptural, but it's also just really good for us. It's really, really important. And I heard a quote by someone, I don't even know who it was, so I'm not going to try and credit whoever it was. I heard someone say once, um, busyness fueled by the myth of scarcity kills community. So when we're so busy with life and we're not stopping and we're just going from one thing to the other and we're, we're head down in our phones and we're, we're binge watching and we're just jumping and jumping and jumping, like that, that's destroying community because community is where life is. It's whenever we do life with people that it's better and it's more enjoyable and we find out that other people are struggling with things too and or we find someone encourages or challenges us and, and, and that's where it's at. And are we really spending time in community or we're are we trying to hide from that? Are we buying into this myth that we can just, we're, we're so, so busy and we're so, we're caught up in life and we're not taking stock. We're not, we're not taking that time to sit down and be like, okay, what's really going on? And when's the last time we took a stock take of our life? If we haven't, I'd recommend doing it. Like I try to do it. Like I might be doing it successfully or not, but it's good to think about it and be like, okay, God, what, what's going on here? I don't want to get caught up. Just chatting to um, someone this morning about we don't want to get to the end of our lives and miss out what God has for us and be like, why? Because I was just loving Netflix. You know, I was, Facebook was just so much more, it was so cool. Like, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but you ever find sometimes you go on, you want Facebook, um, you want to look at, you know, the church post in, in the morning to kind of get your encouragement, kind of, yes, that's a good one. Um, that's the only reason we'll go on in the morning. And then, then you, you see a video and uh, you're like, look at that. And the next thing you spent, 25 minutes looking at stupid videos on Facebook or reading through stuff and then you're like oh, I'm late for work oh, okay God I'll pray later I'll read my Bible later you know maybe your values are a little bit up the left maybe we need to, to reconsider what's most important to us is it is it our watching some and some of it is funny let's be honest there's some great stuff on online but if it's if it's in a weather time with, with, with encountering Jesus then we, we need to reevaluate that so what are we sowing in and how are we sowing in our lives? Um, the next part of Hosea says about that, reap in mercy. And as I said earlier, Joshua and Caleb are two key characters. And I just want to also jump very quickly to Joshua chapter 2. And then Joshua chapter 6, just to give a, a brief background to the next part. Just to show you that I've done some preparation. And we find in uh, Joshua 2, um, it's the story of Rahab. Now, Rahab wouldn't necessarily be uh, a stand-up character. It, it wouldn't be the person you'd be picking in life to be like, that's our next leader. That's the person I want to hang out with. But we discovered in our, in our life group last two terms ago, Alan and I were studying the Old Testament characters. And it's, see, when you look at some of the people, like, like we think, we, like, you know, we, we look around and be like, here, Ed's a bit of a, a, bit of a rogue one. But Ed's, Ed's a saint compared to some of the people in the Bible. And we, we write people off. We were like, oh, you know, he couldn't. No, no, he's, he's that. She's that. Have you heard the way she gossips? You know, she's ridiculous. But they're the very people that God used to in the Old Testament. And it really makes, it reminds us of the fact that, you know what, we do mess up. And we, we, we do make mistakes. But, but it's not about us. It's about God. And God uses us to, to advance his kingdom and, and to, to tell his story. So Rahab, in uh, Joshua 2, 12 to 15, it says, um, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to, me, to, my, to my father's house, and give me a true token, and spare my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all that they have delivered 
deliver our lives from death. So the man answered her, our lives for your lives. If, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and uh, that's where she dwelt. So this, they're coming into Jericho, and they're coming over to take the land, but they encounter someone along the way. And it'd be easy to write, to write her off. You know, it's like this, she might not have been the, the ideal person that you want to be friendly with, but God was doing something, and God, God was speaking to, to the spies as they went out. And then we'll go to jump to Joshua chapter 6. And I think there's something in this for someone this morning. And if not, I'll claim it anyway. And Joshua 6, 17, and then 22 to 25. Um, verse 17 says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And then 22 to 25. But Joshua had said to the two men who spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and from there bring, her out, bring out the woman and all that she has as he swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. So they brought out all the relatives. But then they burned the city and all that was in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, blah, blah, blah. And then 25, and Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from Joshua, whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So here we have, in the middle of destruction, if you haven't watched the VeggieTale video of uh, the, the Battle of Jericho, definitely go on YouTube and watch it. It's great. But it's in the middle of destruction, and I think this is for someone here this morning, and as I say, if not, I'm taking it. Jericho was getting destroyed, completely wiped out. You know, we know what happened whenever they marched around and the walls came down, and they overtook the city. In the middle of what looked like destruction and devastation, God, was, God had his hand on Rahab and her family. And maybe we're in the middle of devastation and destruction. Maybe it looks like our world's coming down. It's falling apart and we can't see a way out. We're like, there's no way I'm stuck here. God's go, God will bring people into our lives. As if, we, if we stay true to what he's spoken to us and, and what he has for us. And, we, and, we, and we're doing community. Rahab could have easily not done community with the guys and then wouldn't have been spared. But as, as we do community and as we lean into what God has for us, God's, he's got his hand on us and he's going to protect us. So, you know, again, because of the faithfulness of, of what was sown, Rahab reaped a, a harvest that perhaps some might say she didn't deserve, but, but God thought she deserved it and God gave it to her. So in the middle of all that, we need to be um, reminding ourselves, again, it's God's faithfulness. We're not sowing for ourselves. And I'm going to let you into a little secret that you probably know. But whenever we partner with God, much like the, the spies and Rahab partnered up, we get to celebrate the harvest with other people. We get to, we, we get, we get to win too. We were down in uh, Dungannon the other week with some of the young people. Our young people are amazing. Um, you should spend some time with them. They're great. And one of them sat in the back there, big up Ben. Um, but our young people are great. So we're down in Dungannon, and we're doing this really simple community stuff. We were giving away milk and cutting people's grass and just doing a, a neighbor, neighborhood litter pick. And in the middle of all this, there was a, a fella just standing there. He just, he just spoke, what he's doing? So we got chatting to him and we had a nice wee chat. And it turns out he was a Christian. And then we're just like, okay, so why are you guys doing this? And we're like, we're just showing the love of Jesus. We're just out showing the love of Jesus to the community. And they said, but we're also 
I'd like to offer a prayer. Is there anything going on in your life right now that you can pray for? You know, is there, you know, any sickness, you know, any, anything going on in your family? Just, we'd love to pray for you. We'd just love to, to ask Jesus to intervene in your life. And he goes, look, I've got a bad back that I'm dealing with. Should we pray for that? And he goes, come on over and see my friend here. So we got to pray for his friend who also had a bad back. And then the next morning, we, we left that night and we'll come back. And um, we got a message the next day that this couple, um, they, they come back later on and got a wee card saying, okay, where does this church meet? You know, where are you at? And I said, oh, can you get over here, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they gave me. And then the next, the next morning, they get a message, or the next afternoon, the couple then came back to church. They came, they came to church, and the guy was a Christian, but didn't really check in too much. And the, the woman, she was really struggling. She had major, major issues going on in her life um, with mental health issues. And on that Sunday morning, she, she tried to take her own life. And her, her, her friend was with her. was like, we need to do something about this. We need to go and... This, this isn't right, you know. So it's like, let's go to that church. Let's go to that church. So they rocked up on the Sunday morning, and like she gave her yes to Jesus, and like, yeah, like her life. She was very. She was trying to take her own life. She thought it was over. She and all because, all because Ben was cutting grass. Like cutting grass. Like I can do that. We we can all do that. And then just taking the time for a simple, how you doing? We didn't preach. We didn't preach to him. We didn't like try and explain deep theological discussion. It was just like, how you, how, how's it going? And because of that, like a life was saved, like spiritually and physically. Like she was at the end of her tether and and reached out to reached out to Jesus and reached out to a family that that, that were there to support her. And thankfully, I was speaking to someone yesterday. They've still been coming to church the last three or four weeks, and they're, they're plugging in, and she's getting all the help she needs. And that's just amazing. Because, yeah, all because we're cutting grass, like, a life was changed and transformed. And then that, that was worth it, you know, worth the 400 pints of milk we give out and the 16 bags of rubbish. One, like, that's what it's about. Okay, we're going to jump on to the last point. You'll be glad to hear, maybe. Um, and the last part, point is uh, break up and fallow ground. I love that word, fallow. Um, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord. That word fallow is land that is left uncultivated. And we probably look at that as uh, our downtime. You know, we're, I'm just resting. I'm just taking it easy. And we're, maybe we're saying, yeah, and we're, not, we're, not, we're not working in any area of our life. We're just chilling out. You know, we're just being still. I knew a guy once used to always quote um, Psalm 30, 46 and says, be still and know that I'm God. But that was his way of saying, I'm doing nothing. And it's like, how are you doing, mate? He goes, still and being still it's like but what are you doing just being still you kind of missed the point and maybe that's what we do we kind of pretend that we're we're, we're taking a rest you know i'm taking a break from from kids ministry from setup team i'm not doing life group this term and it's not that we're taking a break we're, we're hiding and we need to be careful to know when we're when we're taking a break when we're hiding because if we're taking a break and rest that's called sabbath and that's good because then that turns us back to jesus but if we're hiding we're withdrawn and we're, we're taking ourselves away from everything that God has us to do and all the good life that he has for us. And th- this year, I think this is where we find most of ourselves. This is where we find ourselves, where we're at. We've got, we've got the sowing and, and the reaping. We've got like what God said, I'm going to know what the promise is, but we're stuck somewhere in the middle. And, you know, we need to, we need to mind that gap. We need to, that, that, that's where we're living. And we need to be realistic there. And 
we need to manage the, the gap between our expectation of what God's speaking and what we're currently experiencing. Because it's so easy then for us to, to get disenchanted and be like, but God, you said, and nothing's happening. But you said, and then we just, you know, we start listening to our, I, Norman, no mate, so he starts feeding into that, their whole, yeah. I mean, is it, did God really say that? It's like, no, that's not where it's at. But if we take this uncultivated ground, and there's usually tools you can get when you're gardening, and like you, you do this ear kind of stuff, and it breaks up the ground, and it, so you get the clumpy bits, and it breaks it up. And maybe that's what we need to do. Not maybe, no, that's 100% what we need to do. We need to look at those areas in our lives, those fall, the fallow ground, the, the parts of our lives that, we're, that are currently resting, that hiding, or just sitting doing nothing, and start digging into it, and start and breaking it up. Because if you're trying to plant something, if you're trying to pl- plant a, a flower, it's not going to grow whenever there's solid soil. It needs, needs to lose, it needs freedom to move, and needs to be able to grow and, and dig its roots down deep. And if we don't, if we don't have root, good good roots, then we're not going to last very long. And more more than likely, the components that we need are there for us. Uh, Christine Kane did a tremendous talk recently called "Get Off the Mat." Um, I think Chantel posted it online. Um, if you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor, make an hour of your day and put it on. It is absolutely unreal. I have listened to it three times already, and like every time you get something new. But it's a story of the the guy in John, um, who's at the pool of the pool of Bethesda, and he's land. He's a man who's been bedridden for thirty eight years, and he's lying beside the pool, and he's there. He's like, "This is where I need to be. This is where I'm at." And Jesus rocks up and says, "What do you want? Do you want to be well?" And he goes, "I can't. I can't get into the pool. I can't. Like I just can't." And that's, that's where we're at, you know, just, I can't do it. No, I can't take that next step. I couldn't, I couldn't pray for somebody. I couldn't help on the, whatever team. I can't, I can't. 38 years, that man was lying next to the pool, waiting for his opportunity. I don't want to be sitting for 38 years, lying next to my, the, the, the doorway to my next step. And Christine came, so this is a tremendous talk. Even if the guy had a, he couldn't walk, but he could wriggle. We can all do a little bit. Some, maybe we can't do some things, but there's some things that we can do. And we need to focus on the things that, that we can do and, and dwell on that there because that's where we're going to find, find the life. That's where we're going to find a breakthrough. And we're not going to be sitting feeling sorry for ourselves, looking at the promise sitting right in front of us and just being like, that's not going to happen. I'm, I'm never making it. So we thoroughly recommend you can find that on Facebook or I'll send it to you. And I think in, in closing, um, I hope this is being a challenge as opposed to like, yeah, I hope it's a challenge and to encourage us that we need to maybe look inside and what's, what, what are we hiding inside? What's deep within us that we're just, we're not willing to, to touch that. We're not willing to, to get our hands dirty and to, to get the tools out and start, start pressing into the, the ground and breaking up the ground to release what God has for us because there's, the, the promised land, whenever the, the, the children of Israel were looking at it, they had everything they wanted and everything they needed. But all because of the, the mindset of quite a lot of them, the, the vast majority, they wouldn't have went and they wouldn't have made it. But because of a couple, because of two guys who said, you know what, we got this team, we can do this. We've, we've seen it. It looks challenging, but it's okay. Our God's good. And maybe, maybe that's us. Maybe we're, we're hiding behind the I can't instead of stepping into the I can but the best part of this verse is in Hosea 10 and 12 is the last two parts, two lines. 
Um, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness down on you. We're familiar with what rains like in Northern Ireland. And when it rains, you can't hide from it. And it's great and it's wonderful. And whenever God's going to rain down on us, rain down blessing, rain down healing, rain down just all of his goodness, then everything else kind of, it doesn't matter anymore. We'll get that fresh perspective. But it's going to rain on us. And you can't hide from the rain whenever it comes. You stay inside, but if you've got to go outside, you've got to go outside. But the land can't hide from it. And that's a, for me, the, the, that's kind of the exciting part. It's like maybe we're, maybe we're in a dry spell. Maybe, maybe it's difficult. Maybe we we're in, that, in between that gap and we're like, God, you're not doing anything yet. But the promise is coming. The, the, the promise of rain is there for us as we, as we step into it and as we believe um, that God, God's faithful to, to do what he said he would do. So just as we um, come to sing this last song or so, if, if that's you, if, if you know that there's things in your life that you're, you're hiding, you're hiding from God and you just, you're not willing to go there, do some business with God this morning. Like, you know, don't, don't leave because there's life for us and there's goodness for us if we step into what God has for us. So, you know, as we're singing, you know, if you want to come up to the front, we'll be happy to pray for you. If you want to grab your mate beside you and be like, look, I need prayer. But don't, don't leave this morning without, without receiving what God has for you and, and really asking himself, you know, God, what, what, are, what, are you, what do you want from me? Last year, at the start of um, uh, the year, like the verse that we were coming, we kept on coming back to was in, in Exodus. Whenever Moses said to, to God, it's like, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. We're not, we're not going. We're staying here. We'll, we'll put up camp. And we need to be people who, like, God, I, I, I want to go after you. I want to go with what, go where you're going and, and stay there and, and stay in that place until, until he shows up, until he does business. Because whenever Jesus does business with us, it's, it's exciting and it's great. And that's, that's what he has for us. So let's just stand this morning and uh, Mel's going to lead us here.